Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Turning to Him. I am very excited that you've decided to join us. Uh, I am here talking with Allie Collins. Allie, how are you doing today? I am doing really good. Really good. Thank you very much for taking the time. Um, Allie and I know each other from a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we were in the same ward, but now you've moved on to bigger and better things. How's, yeah. That's been treating you. It's been it's been good. Um, <clears throat> it's been crazy. Oh my gosh, just <laughs> having to move cross country again. It's been a process. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Help us get to know you better. Sure. So I currently am a grad student. My last year, my training program for marriage and family therapy uh, here in Rochester, New York. Um, yeah, it's a two-year program, but it's been the longest and shortest two years of my life. And what got me here was, I think, life. I did my undergrad at BYU, family studies, originally thinking, I do not want to deal with people and their problems. Well, life happens, uh, experiences happen, and realize, actually, that's exactly what I want to do, is deal with people and their problems um, and help them through that. So. Yeah, that's kind of what led me to where I am now. And it's been good to be closer to my family since they're downstate. Okay, so is that what took you kind of back to New York is being close to the family? Yes. When I was applying, I had two requirements, East Coast and new, no GRE. And U of R worked out. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So are you able to spend time with your family on the weekends or are you just up to your eyeballs in books? Mm, when it's maybe a holiday I try but not as often as I'd like but it's still yeah a five-hour drive plus homework and school and all that is oh, not wow. as close as I thought it would be but yeah, yeah. Okay. it's a pretty good haul mm -hmm. yeah oh good well uh, it sounds like there's a light at the end of the tunnel though you mentioned you'd be graduating here shortly yes I will finish at the end of July 2023 I cannot wait I'm on the down downhill well, congratulations. And if you live yeah. in the New York area and you are going through marriage or family development situations, you got to look at Holly because she'll treat you right. She's awesome. <laughs> uh, OK, well, again, thank you for being willing to to come on and, and share some experiences of you turning closer to Christ. Um, talk to us about what you wanted to share. Sure. Um, <clears throat> something that's I've really been working on this last year, year and a half, I think, starting grad school, but maybe even before that, applying for grad school, and then in between getting accepted and actually going to grad school, filing for divorce, um, and then moving back east and starting this grad program, and so many life changes over the past year and a half, um, really, you know, maybe stop and think, what's important in my life? How am I relating to the Savior? How am I relating to our heavenly parents? Um, 
it's how do I think of myself in life and what I'm wanting? And I think having a fresh start for a career really was motivating. And also just given the nature of my grad program, marriage and family therapy, you do a lot of self-reflecting and self-work um, and a lot of healing. And so to couple that with healing through the scriptures and temple worship was really the goal that I had last year. And so to have some of that time and distance from past experiences and starting fresh again, really, I just had some really cool moments that I've been calling tender mercies. And some of that came through studying the Old Testament with Come Follow Me last year and also seeking those tender mercies and trying to find the language that fit in my life and finding things in the scripture to reflect that and find myself there. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, those are three major changes. You had a major cross-country move. Mm -hmm. You started grad school, but from what I understand, not just starting, but applying to grad school is also a major process. Mm -hmm. Applying yeah. to starting grad school and then also going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. So three, I mean, major life-changing things that for you happened all within a very short period of time. Right. At the age of 28, 7, 28. So yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Probably is it safe to say that all of this wasn't part of the plan to do it all at once. So I guess part of your plan. Is that fair to say? That is very fair to say. I was not anticipating. I could not have anticipated this timeline for sure. Yeah. Okay, so how did you stay grounded through it all? Uh, great question. I Luckily, I before I even got to Rochester, I looked up apartments where I would be, what ward boundaries I was going to be in. And I reached out to the bishops in those areas. And so then when I got there, um, and when I went to go visit and find apartments, I would Stay, made sure I stayed for a Sunday to find a ward to introduce myself, but then really just was really proactive when I got there and said, hey, this is Allie. We talked on the phone or whatever. So that at least they knew and got really made sure that I met with the leaders right away, both Relief Society and the bishop, just to say, this is the basic overview of what's happening. School, divorce, my life is crazy. I need help or support. Um so I was, yeah, really proactive with that. And I think, I think like most people, like ebbs and flows of scripture study and prayer and just really on temple attendance, just really over time being intentional with how I did that. Like, are my prayers meaningful or am I just, you know, really tired, but like really over time giving the struggles and the burdens and the sorrows of my heart, just laying it all out there uh, for the Lord and to go and just say, help me, help me to heal, help me like sometimes take this from me or just finding words and just trying my best to go like, this is so hard and so many tears. And some of them were angry tears. Some of them were, were tears of despair or sorrow, but also allowing myself to feel all of those emotions when they came, I think was important. Not like, well, I, it could be worse, or I've got to stay positive, or I should do this, or I should do that. It was like, no, 
this is about me and what I'm needing and finding that courage and that strength to allow myself to have that and to share that with the Lord. Boy, there's a lot there to talk about. Um, I love that you kind of hit on two major things that are, that are spots for me. Of number one, when you came into a new place, you mentioned that you were proactive with the ward leaders, yeah. of introducing yourself and trying to engage in that community in that ward. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times um, we move into a new area and we just kind of wait for the Relief Society president or the Elders Quorum president or the bishop to come over and introduce. And, and we wait for the ward to scoop us up and integrate us. And in a perfect world, yeah, that would happen every time. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's a two-way street, you know, and, and we need to inject ourselves in the ward as much as the ward needs to enfold us. Yeah. I, I love that idea. And then the, the second thing is, it sounds like you have a very healthy understanding of what true prayer is and being able to have open conversations with your heavenly father and, and really laying your burdens at his feet and, and taking full advantage of the atonement and of what Christ has done for us. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up or just like put it in that way, the atonement because that was something I've also was studying this past year of not just for, you know, daily repentance as president Nelson tells us uh, for our own mistakes and the sins that we do, but also the other side of the atonement of all those things that happen to us in this life, whether that's just being part of living on earth or in this, my case, like um, just the things that happen to us as a result of someone else's agency which is can be so hard when it's not your fault and you feel like I've done nothing wrong. I have done my best. I'm keeping the commandments. I'm doing my best to honor the covenants I've made. And this is still awful and so hard. Um, and that was something that I wrestled with a lot. And even attending the temple, because I remember before I came to New York and Utah, um, the stake president told me, you know, Ali, you'll find healing in the temple. Uh, this is was early on in my marriage and when things trying to figure out what the heck is happening and just to go to the temple was so painful. And then, you know, fast forward many, a couple of years, it's still hard, still trying to figure it out, finally able to leave my marriage and getting into grad school, going to the temple in Palmyra, which is really cool to have it be that temple in the sacred grove but um again just hearing like you will have healing in you will find healing in the temple and then president nelson i can't remember the exact quote it's kind of like in those times when it's the hardest to attend the temple like that's when you need it the most um something like that so don't quote me on that but i put that to the test i was like fine like i would go to the temple. I would do an endowment session and be reminded of these covenants that I'd made and just had all these feelings and a lot of anger um, of just like, what the heck? And just like, this is so painful. And yet to have this, like, you'll find healing, like healing in my pain. This is not what I consider healing. And then over time and just saying, 
and again, in these prayers of like, okay, Lord, like, this is what the prophet has said. This is what this leader has said. This is what is said in the scripture. And this is what you say in these times. I'm like, all right, like I'm showing up, like, help me. What, what do I do? Change my heart. Like, help me to understand or to just, yeah, change my heart. Um, to be less angry, to understand and to shift that thinking to be less about these things happen to me or I don't even quite know what that shift was, but it, I was able to refocus as to really why I was in the temple, why we make covenants and who we make covenants with. And that I think letting that change me and sink into who we have, who we make covenants with was huge for me and to really understand it not just like oh yeah this is what we do but to have a deeper understanding and connection so do you feel like at this point you have received healing in the temple yes i i think i have in many ways but i also think that this life is hard and you never know what's going to happen but to be able to Feel it in regard to one thing and then to go, okay, I've done it before. And, you know, I've, I've proved the, the Lord. And so then the next thing, I know he's there. Not that I need to prove anything, you know, he has to prove anything to me, but like, I've done that and I can do that again. And when I'm not feeling like I'm in crisis, like, how do I strengthen that? And to, deepen it so then when the next trial comes it's like okay yeah we've done this might feel different look different but i know he's with me yeah which has been really cool yeah because the next trial will always come right that's part of the plan that's not a that's yeah that's not a pothole in the freeway of life that is the freeway of life right this is a Mm -hmm. lesson yeah okay so how come you're in the temple. You've been you've been promised by a prophet. You've been promised by the scriptures, and you've been promised by a local leader. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get healing in the temple. You go to the temple. It is painful. It's frustrating. It's mm-hmm. it's infuriating. Why do you choose to keep going instead of saying, like many people do, "Hey, this is this pain is not for me. I'm an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this anymore." I think a couple of things. Um, one of the one thing is, so um, I'm a convert to the church, and actually, this past July, I uh, was 10 years from my baptism, which was exciting. And I thank you. I think I have some just like life, even though I was younger, I was 19 when I was baptized, like. Life without the gospel or knowing it in this way versus having it in my life. And I had already made conscious efforts of, I want this. I want the gospel in my life. I want to continue to participate fully and to receive these blessings and these promises. So in part, it was a conscious effort of, do I want this? Yes, I do. And then. Once I made that decision, 
based off of past experiences and whatever, then going, okay, if this is what I need to do to get these blessings and or these things that you have promised me or this healing in this case, it's like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do my part. So you better do it. Like part of it is this motivation of, hey, hold up your end of the deal. Because right now it feels like you're not like something is wrong. And so I'm going to make sure that I do everything right and everything that's in my control. And I think that's more of it rather than right or wrong. But what do I have control over? And am I really active in that? Am I really, you know, putting that to the test? Um, and the other day I was actually reflecting on this question, which I can answer now, which I I think I was starting to understand as I was going back to the temple um, or just like once I got here and going more frequently. Uh, anyways, but this thought of I stay because he stayed. And he stayed with me through all the trials of my divorce, my marriage, even before that, and all those hard times. And I distinctly remember a moment, October 2021, just starting my grad program um, and having some time and distance um, from my marriage and getting this insight that he was so aware of me and everything that was going to happen over these last couple of years, but especially this last year. And Heavenly Father just knew. And, you know, he knew perfectly when I could not. And when all those hard times, I was like, why is this happening? Like, what more can I do? What more can I give? And to then get to a point where I just had this impression of that he knew so perfectly what I would be going through and putting in the people I needed in my life, the opportunities, and just that comfort and healing over time. I just knew every prayer that I had said, every tear that I shed, that our heavenly parents and our savior, they, they knew it, they felt it, they understood it when no one else in this entire world could understand because they're not me and my experiences. They felt it. And that was so powerful to me. Wow. Wow. You mentioned something else that was important to you in all of this process, and it was the idea of letting yourself feel the feelings, you know, and not mm -hmm. just putting on, I call it my Walmart smile. So yeah. Just, well, <laughs> hey, it's okay. That kind of stuff. And I, I feel like at times that's appropriate. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's certainly not a way to live life. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about how did you find the balance between um, being able to feel those emotions and saying, hey, this is hard. This is not fun, but not allowing those emotions to imprison you and you stay there forever. Mm -hmm. I think in part is the fact that I am going to school with a bunch of therapists and learning a lot of these skills. <laughs> and 
so I can talk to some of them about what I'm going through and be really open and they get it um, when other people might not have the same emotional awareness. Also finding friends at church and that takes time to know who you can share with and on what level. But personally, I think also just years of my own therapy and learning those skills and recognizing, um, oh, and this was also in Old Testament and we read about it in Genesis and all the creation stories that we have and and in the temple of just being created in God's image. And that doesn't just mean our bodies, but also our spirits. And But that also includes like our emotions. Those are God-given and they have a purpose. They have a place and it takes, you know, time to be able to sit with yourself and to really check in on what am I feeling? And sometimes I've done that through prayer, but I've also done that through meditation or exercise and yoga to that mind body awareness. Um, but I think in the case of the scriptures, I, or I would read the scriptures and check in with myself, like, whoa, what is this bringing up for me? Or why am I crying with these words? Cause they're touching me somewhere. The spirit's testifying. It's bringing up this memory or it's putting putting to words a feeling that I didn't have the language for, but this person wrote about it in a such beautiful way that it just truly touched that I was like, yeah, that is my experience. Um, but creating those quiet moments to allow myself to have that, I think is important to be able to check in however you do that. But and for me, sometimes that's when I read the scriptures to really let those words sink in and not just like, oh, that sounds good. I'm like, how does that feel to me? Do I feel that in my heart? And even in the New Testament, um, I think in Luke, Mary's, they talk about Mary and she was pondering these things in her heart. And for me, I find myself in my scripture study trying to do that rather than keep things up in my head, but to feel that in a maybe on a more spiritual level or just this sense of, I think, emotional level of where does this, where do I feel this? How do I connect to this mind, body, soul type of connection? Yeah. Wow. There's, there's a lot of profound things that you're saying. A lot of stuff <laughs> time to digest. Yeah. Um, we were speaking before and you mentioned, um, that in your life, you've kind of started to distinguish between a blessing and a tender mercy. Talk right. to me about that. Yeah, I um, I think some of this originally starts with this idea, which we're not going to get into today, of why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and what do we deserve and not deserve? And so it's like, I still quite don't have the perfect answer for that. I don't think anyone does, but you know, it's fun to think about and explore and then thinking about blessings. And oftentimes I've heard blessings described and how I conceptualize them as being really positive things of, okay, if you keep these, uh, keep the commandments, your life will be blessed. Or if you do this, whatever. 
things that you usually want, you're trying to get, and I kind of even mentioned before, like, I'm going to do this stuff so I can be blessed by the Lord and to have this healing. Like, that's what I want. We all hopefully know that that's not how usually that works. But with studying the Old Testament, uh, there are a couple of times we talk about tender mercies, which is the word that I started to, uh, which just resonate with me more than a blessing. And one particular example is when I talk to certain people about just moving back to New York to go to school, going through divorce. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, do you have kids? And I was like, no, which is something that I wanted for a long time in our marriage. And it never happened. And, you know, it it is what it is and allowed me to be able to go to grad school. But it's still something that's weighed heavy on my heart and just that that loss of what could have been or what I was wanting, just that life, that dream. And to to mourn that, and that's okay, and that's also part of this healing journey that I've been on. But some people would say, "Oh, you don't have children. What a blessing!" And that just did not sit right with me. That hurt. That didn't feel good. I was like, "That's not a blessing. Not when we're told that you know you're married and children are delightful, and if you can, awesome. Like that's something families are so ingrained and so important to the Lord." We talk about it at church a lot. And so then to not have children uh, for whatever reason can sometimes feel really like you're on the outside. And then to be told, oh, no children, what a blessing. Okay, I know know what you mean, but it just doesn't sit right. Whereas a tender mercy, I think just for me feels better that touches on just that personalized, I don't know, it's just more personal and just makes more room for those hard emotions and those hard or complex feelings about, yes, I don't have children, which has allowed me to be where I am, but also recognizing the sorrow behind that as well. And the grief involved, like, yeah, that is something you wanted and which was a righteous desire, but also like life happens and things happen that are outside of our control. And that's okay, or it will be okay. And then the Lord just being aware, like, I know this is hard. I know, and I'm with you. And so for me to call it more of a tender mercy, it just feels and fits better. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like that. I like thinking about it that way because, you know, I, you can see how someone is trying to find the silver lining. Right. Yeah. And, and it's uh, sometimes blessing doesn't fit right. Right. And that's okay. And I, you know, people sometimes they don't know what to say. So they just say something. And sometimes that's the wrong thing. And yeah. I found myself this last year also trying to just be okay and teaching like, hey, we can just like create space to be uncomfortable. We're not going to solve these really hard questions or yeah, we might not have find the right answer or have the right words, but even part of it is just creating space to be uncomfortable, to acknowledge these feelings. So if you try to rush by them, you don't really address what's going on. It's like, it's okay, actually. Like being uncomfortable is okay. And we, yeah. to do that, you need to create space rather than just jump to the next thing. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think if I understand what you're saying, not only create space, but create time. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. A common thing that that I've gotten out of this conversation is having honest communication with God, having honest communication with yourself. Yeah. And that takes time to mm-hmm. process your emotions. Think about why am I feeling this? Um, yeah. Why am I responding this way? And then taking that to our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And saying, Here's what I'm feeling. Help me know how to chew on this. Help me know how to process this. Right. And yeah, I'm glad you point that out. I mean, I don't think anyone would be surprised a therapist wanting to talk about communication, but it's interesting you say that because as you did, my mind just went, yeah, open communication that I have to Heavenly Father and open communication or understanding for myself and creating time allows that, but then also allows to hear and to have communication in return. So like to receive from Heavenly Father. And that was something else I I put to the test in air quotes of testing the Lord in a way of one of my prayers was, okay, help me to see myself the way thou sees me. That's what I would pray. And I would ask to know, to have a better understanding of who I am, how he sees me, how they see me as their daughter and to build up that confidence and that understanding that you know, this whole life, all of these hard things, like, yes, they're aware of me and they're with me, but why? Because they love me. I'm their daughter. There's so much, so much more to come. And I'm really excited about that. But I think, you know, some of the things I had gone through and just feeling so low and so little and small and insignificant and just, I was like, okay, you know, again, working on myself, building up that self-confidence and and growing back into myself when there were parts of me I think I lost uh, or were taken away from me. And to then ask the source of, you know, all the cool stuff in the universe, like, all right, help me to see myself as you see me. And over time, through all these things we've been talking about, scripture, prayer, temple worship, I started to see myself. And I was like, even the like the smallest glimpse that I got was so empowering and so beautiful. I was like, whoa. And that's only a teeny tiny fraction. So I can't even like imagine what they really think of me. But the little I did receive and that I continue to receive and and work on has really been life-changing and how I'm choosing to interact with the world and the work that I'm going to do and where I'm going. I'm very excited about that. And it's like all of these things that are happening at the same time, and but then over time, and just to build into something I could not imagine. Wow. Ali, you, I, I think there are a lot of people that can relate to your experience, if, if not your entire experience, certainly part of it. Um, a lot of a lot of people making huge decisions in their lives. A lot of people mm-hmm. go back to school or something like that. A lot of people perhaps uh, pondering divorce or, or getting a divorce or they find themselves recently divorced or things like that. Mm-hmm. You've got a room full of these people. What do you tell them? Whew. I would tell them. That is a great question. 
I'm trying and I'm debating between like sage wisdom or super simple message. And I think it's it's okay. I think that would be the start of my little monologue or little advice that I would give um, would be, it's okay. It's okay wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, whatever is happening right now, it's okay. Because it doesn't matter if no one else gets it. Because there's one person who does, and that's the Savior. He, he gets it so perfectly. Even when I can't, despite my experiences and all I've gone through, it's okay. Even when you feel so alone and so hurt, and it just seems impossible. Even if you don't believe it, I'm going to tell you that it's okay. Because it it, it is. It will be. Um, and that it it takes time and you are the only only one of you and you're the only one that's gonna get through this but you're not gonna be alone and it's okay but i think also to this group of people or i guess anyone listening one of the this one of the scriptures that has helped me this past year i would like to share and just kind of leave with that because this is one of those that i truly have pondered in my heart and that I carry with me. And it comes out of Second Kings chapter 20, verse 5. It says, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. And I, I know that to be true, that, that our heavenly parents, that our Savior, they hear every single prayer, no matter how angry, how sad, how happy, whatever that emotion is, or all of the emotions at once, they hear that. And every single tear that has been shed, they have count, they have counted them. They know that. And the tears that have happened and the ones that are to come, that and that there will be healing, that they have heard the prayers, they have seen the tears, they've counted the tears, and healing will come. And I I I know that to be true. I've seen that in my own life um, over these past year and a half. And that is a promise that I am going to remind the Lord of, even though he doesn't need it. I will still say, remember this. I'm in if you're in. Great. And and he's always in. Absolutely. Always in. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.